Well, in our gospel reading this morning, we hear the angel Gabriel announcing the gospel to Mary. We don't know that much about Mary, except that she was betrothed to Joseph. Joseph, we are told, is a descendant of David. Uh, We don't know much about Mary's lineage, at least not from the Gospel of Luke. All we know about her is that she is a virgin. Most scholars think that she was between the ages of 13 and 14. She was quite young. And yet, the living God chose Mary to bear his son. It is a privilege given to Mary alone. And this is what makes her highly favored and blessed. Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her, you will be with child and give birth to a son. Mary asks the obvious question, how can this be for I am a virgin? Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. The fact that Mary was a virgin is an important part of the gospel. C.S. Lewis tells of a time near Christmas when he and a colleague were in his study. The window was open and they could hear carol singers from outside singing. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child. Lewis's colleague looked at him, smiled condescendingly, and said, aren't you glad we know better than that? Lewis asked, better than what? Aren't you glad that we know virgins don't have babies? Lewis paused for a moment and said, don't you think they knew that too? (laughs) The scientific world has come a long way over the last 2,000 years. We know more about the human body and the reproductive systems than we've ever known before, but it isn't a recent discovery that virgins don't have babies. The whole point of the Christmas story is that this kind of thing does not happen. It's impossible. Of all the billions of people who've ever been born, only Mary's son was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Why does this matter? Why is the virgin birth such a crucial part of the story? Because without the virgin birth, Jesus was only human, and the rest of the story loses all its credibility. If there was no virgin birth, then there would be no unique Son of God. There would be no kingdom of God come near. There'd be no atoning death on the cross, no resurrection from the dead, no ascension into heaven, and no Emmanuel, God with us. The virgin birth tells us that Jesus is unique. He's fully God and he's fully man. And what happened to Mary is unique. She alone was given the privilege of having the Son of God formed in her womb. But what we see God doing in Mary in a physical way, God intends on doing in all of us in a spiritual way. God the Father formed the life of his son in Mary, and now God the Father is forming the life of his son in us, individually and corporately as the church. How does he do it? Well, look at how he formed the life of his son in Mary. He spoke through his messenger, Gabriel. Mary surrendered to God's will. 
received his word, and then the life of God began to grow in her. And it's the same pattern with us. When we hear God speak, when we surrender to his will and receive his word, the life of God begins to grow in us. What specifically does God speak to Mary to bring about this new life? Three things. First, God tells us through the angel Gabriel not to be afraid. Fear prevents us from growing spiritually. Fear paralyzes and enslaves. What are you afraid of? We can be afraid of other people. We can constantly be worried about the opinions of others to the point where we allow ourselves to be swayed by what we think everyone else is thinking. We can be afraid of the future. We can be afraid of the unknown. We can be afraid of running out of resources, of not having enough. It's interesting to note that every time an angel shows up in the Christmas story, they always address our fears. To Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, they were well along in years. They had been praying for a child, but were unable to conceive. The angel said, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. To Mary, the angel tells her, do not be afraid, for the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will give birth to a son. For nothing is impossible with God. To Joseph, who was struggling with how to respond to this news of Mary being pregnant, the angel says, do not be afraid, for this strange thing happening is of God. What are you praying for these days? Do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. You may not be able to see what God is doing right now at this exact moment, but your prayers have been heard. And God will eventually line up your desires, what's going on within you, with his perfect will. What are you facing that seems impossible to accomplish? Do not be afraid, for nothing is impossible with God. He is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Is there some strange thing happening in your life right now that doesn't make any sense? The angel says, do not be afraid. This strange thing might just be a work of God. God is doing something where he's bringing about all things and making everything work out for the good of those who love him. Through the birth of his son, God the Father is setting us free from our fears so that the life of his son can be formed in us. Second, God the Father through, tells us through the angel Gabriel that his son will be the king, but not just any king. Gabriel proclaims, you will give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus means God to the rescue. Mary's son would grow up to rescue humanity from sin and evil and death by dying on the cross and rising to new life. The angel also says that he will be great because Jesus humbled himself, taking upon himself humanity's sinfulness, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will eventually bow and every tongue will eventually confess that Jesus Christ is the King. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. At age 12, Jesus was in the temple. Mary and Joseph were looking for him for three days. They couldn't find him. Jesus eventually 
connected with them, and he said, did you not know I had to be in my father's house? And this would, this would set the whole course of his, his life and ministry. Jesus said things like, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. I only do what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. The words I say to you, I speak not on my own authority, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I am in my Father and my Father is in me. No one in history has ever made these kinds of statements or claims and been taken seriously. No one has ever known the living God in this intimate way like Jesus does. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. This is the fulfillment of 2 Samuel chapter 7 that we heard read. God said to David, when your days are over, you will rest with your fathers. I will raise up for your one of your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. After Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he is now seated at the right hand of the father, and he's ruling as king over heaven and earth. How does Jesus rule? The same way that any king rules, by speaking. God, the Father's desire is that we would listen to him. And when we listen to Jesus and do what he says, we experience the kingdom of God breaking into our world. Why? Because Jesus' words are eternal. They're God's words. When we hear Jesus speaking, we are hearing the eternal God speaking. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus' words are informative. He understands how life works because he is the one in and through whom all things came into being and in him all things hold together. And Jesus' words are performative. What he says eventually happens. And so when we sit at his feet, listening to what he says, and then we put what he says into practice, we are formed over time until we find ourselves living into the reality to which his words speak. God the Father tells us through the angel Gabriel not to be afraid. Jesus is the king of heaven and earth, and through faith in him, we experience life. Gabriel tells Mary in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What happened to Mary in a physical way is happening in us in a spiritual way. Jesus explains in the third chapter of the Gospel of John, speaking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus asks, how can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes from, or where it's going. 
so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. By flesh, Jesus is simply referring to human nature. The point he's making is that like begets like. Human nature can only give birth to human nature. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. This is why we experience so much frustration in the Christian life. Jesus is is saying that you cannot produce the life of the kingdom on your own. You cannot manufacture intimacy with God in your flesh. You cannot generate genuine Christian fellowship in your flesh. You cannot behave like a child of God in your flesh. Flesh only begets flesh. Spiritual life does not evolve naturally from the flesh, no matter how hard we try, which is why the only hope for our world is a spiritual revolution. There needs to be a radical change in our human nature affected by the Spirit of God. No matter how hard we try, flesh will never be able to create the kind of transformation that humanity is longing for. Education on its own will never be able to change human society. Political influence and military force will never be able to establish justice and righteousness in the world. Self-improvement and behavioral modifications will never be able to change the human heart. Flesh will never bring about the kind of peace and healing and harmony of the kingdom of God. Only the Spirit of God can do it. And when the wind of God begins to blow and overshadows us, we are born again and we come alive in a whole new way. I like how Dallas Willard describes this new life. He says, It is the life that God intended for us to live, a life of abiding peace, a life penetrated through by love, faith that sees everything in light of God's overriding governance for good, hope that stands firm in the most discouraging circumstances, and power to do what is right and withstand evil. Friends, God's announcement through the angel Gabriel to Mary and to all of us is do not be afraid. Jesus is the King, and through faith in Him, the power of the Most High will overshadow us, forming the new life of His Son in us. How should we respond to this announcement? Do what Mary did. Her response to this message, may it be done to me as you have said. Let's pray. Father, may it be done to us as you have said. Cast out our fears. Open our eyes to see your Son for who he really is. And we give you permission to form the life of your Son in us, individually and corporately as a church. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way with us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.